Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to eternal life. When we pray, Thy will be done on earth as is in heaven, we're asking that the will of God be done, and that will is that men and women will come to repentance, that men and women will receive that great love gift of salvation that's in Jesus Christ. Our will for our lives is typically influenced by the world around us and our own selfish intentions, and will creep into our prayers if we're not careful. In today's message, Pastor Ed recommends that we use the Lord's Prayer as a guide. We should begin each prayer in search of God and in search of His will, not only for us, but for our fellow man. God is not willing to let anyone perish, and as we petition Him to further His kingdom on earth, His desires for mankind will also become our desires. Let's join Pastor Ed in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 9 for part one of his message entitled, Thy Will Be Done. We've been studying the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to continue our study on prayer. I believe that Jesus practiced everything he preached, and if you looked at his life, you would see prayer emulating from it. Now, someone has said, really, this is better termed the disciples' prayer, which is true. There is a phrase that Jesus couldn't pray, He couldn't exactly pray this prayer fully for himself because he never sinned. He could never pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Jesus was perfect without sin. This disciple's prayer, or as we know it, the Lord's prayer, was meant to change our lives. It was meant not to be just merely recited day after day or week after week. But it was meant to be an outline, a skeleton, where we would guide our praying. As we begin the third petition this morning, it's really the final petition that focuses on God. The prayer is divided into two parts. The first part is God's concerns. Now, usually when we pray, we immediately rush into the throne room of grace and we present our needs first. And Jesus said, when you pray, don't pray that way. Begin your prayer time with your heavenly Father's agenda. He prays and teaches us to pray. Our Father in heaven, I'm reading from the NIV, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's our focus. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Have you heard the quote, the greatest knowledge in the world is to know the will of God. And the greatest accomplishment is to do God's will. That statement is true, powerful, and potent. The greatest knowledge in all the world is to know God's will. The greatest accomplishment is to do the will of God. Nothing is more important in your life or in my life than to do God's will while we live in this world, as we pass through this life. 
The Lord's Prayer is in the center of the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached. It's at the very heart of his message, the Sermon on the Mount. This petition, Thy will be done, is really the last of the Thy petitions in the King James Version. It's the last of the petitions that focuses on God. We're brought into the presence of God when we begin Our Father with a wonderful assurance and confidence that God is our Father and we can approach Him. The Creator, the God of the universe, as a child would approach His Daddy. But we're counseled and warned that though we have this intimate relationship with God, we are to reverence His name, hallow Him, treat Him with honor and respect. We are as well to set His kingdom before our little kingdoms. Our responsibility is to advance the kingdom of God. And then we come to this third petition of all the petitions, this is the one that probably mocks us the most. Sometimes we pray it with no intention of fulfilling it at all. Our prayer is, Thy will be done. When God's will intersects with our will, it's a cross, and we have to take up our cross and follow Jesus. We're called to surrender our will and to take up His will. Now, sometimes we have wrong attitudes about prayer, and it really begins in childhood, and you can see the seeds of those attitudes grow into our adult years. Here was from a little book, Dear God, Prayers from Children. Dear God, please send me a pony. I never asked for anything before. You can look it up, Bruce. Well, God, I haven't asked you for too many things. Will you give me this one thing? Here's another one. Dear God, thank you for my baby brother. But what I prayed for was a puppy. <laughs> well, God, why aren't you doing it my way? It's not the prayer request I presented. Here, I like this one. A little girl was rushing off to Sunday school class. And she was praying as she was rushing, Lord, please don't let me be late. Dear Lord, please don't let me be late. And suddenly she fell. Uh, she got up, brushed off her dress, cleaned herself off, and she began running again to Sunday school, and she continued the prayer. Dear Lord, please don't let me be late, but don't push me. <laughs> I like this final one. A Sunday school teacher asked their students, Now, Johnny, tell me frankly, do you say prayers before you eat? No, sir, little Johnny replied. I don't have to. My mom is a good cook. <laughs> well, sometimes we feel like we don't have to pray, but we do. We need to be men and women who take very seriously prayer. And this prayer, this petition, I believe refers to a whole host of things. But there are three words 
that I'd like you to remember. And these three words sum up what I'm going to address in the message this morning in relationship to this third petition. The first word is rebellion. The second word is relinquish. And the third word is respond. The first word, rebellion. Our will is in rebellion against God's will. In Psalm 2, verses 1 to 3, it reads, Why do the nations conspire, and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against His Anointed One. Let us break their chains, they say, and throw off their fetters. This world is a prodigal planet. It's in rebellion against God. It's running from God, not towards God. And as this world runs further and further and further away from God, it's an indication that they're exerting their own will. In the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, in the heart of the king of Babylon is mirrored the heart of Satan. When Satan rebelled against God, and in Isaiah 14, beginning with verse 13, it reads, For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. Sin began in the heart of Satan, by Satan in pride exalting his own will above God's will. God has given us a wonderful gift. It's called free will. But we're to take that wonderful gift of free will and put it at the feet of our Savior and submit to His will as we come into His kingdom. Now, in this world, God's rights are violated. In this present world, again and again, God is abused. His will is violated by men. See, God owns it all. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, it reads, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created everything, and it is for your pleasure that they exist and were created. In Daniel chapter 4, the end of verse 35, it reads, No one can stop him or challenge him, saying, What do you mean by doing these things? Those were the words of Nebuchadnezzar speaking about God. See, God is the sovereign of the universe. He created you. He created this world. You belong to him. This world belongs to him. If an artist creates a painting, it belongs to him. If an inventor invents an invention, it belongs to him. This world is our father's world, and his rights are being violated again and again and again when men try to erase his fingerprints from the creation of this world. Some of our greatest minds are working at trying to eradicate the 
name of God and saying this world just happened by a mere accident. What folly, what foolishness, what rebellion. Only the fool is said in his heart, there is no God. To deny his existence and to exalt mankind's will is done so that men can ignore the claims of God on their lives. So that men can abuse his rights, God's rights, and exalt their own rights. So this world is in rebellion against God. We see it again and again. Why is it at work that people take the name of Yahweh, the name of God, in vain? Why is it that they take the name of Jesus in vain again and again? Why not Mohammed? Why not Allah? Why not Buddha? It's an indication that there is enmity within their heart against God. You know, when you get hurt, what's inside comes out. Why is it when someone gets hurt and they don't know the Lord, they'll take his name in vain? The enmity, the anger that's within the human heart and the rebellion seeps out again and again. And so when we pray, thy will be done, what we're saying is, God, may this world, this prodigal planet, return to you. We're praying that God's will will be acknowledged among men. In this world, man exalts his volition. In Romans chapter 3, verses 10 to 12, it tells us that there's no one who understands, no one who seeks after God. Paul the Apostle, in using those verses, is building an argument saying that both Jew and Gentile, both religious and non-religious, all are in rebellion against God. All men are sinners. We're born with a rebellious heart. Mothers, you know that. That little child. James Dobson tells us, before that child is just very old at all, he has a will and tries to exert it on everything that's around him. Why is it that child sitting in your lap in church cries? Now, the child can't stand on its own, but it gets you to stand up, and as soon as you're standing up, it stops crying. And then when you sit down, it knows it, it starts crying again. Why is it that that, that child starts just crying until you go out into the narthex? And then it stops crying because it's gotten where it wants to go. There's something about man's rebellious will. I heard a story about a little girl. She was in the car with her parent. And the parent said, sit down. She was standing up. And the girl said, no. Sit down. No. Sit down now. Reluctantly, she sits down, puts her safety belt on, turns to her parent and says, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. Well, that's a picture of our fallen will, our sin that's impacted our lives. 
that rebellious nature where we want to exalt our own volition. It starts from childhood and it continues all through our life. Frank Sinatra could speak for the whole human race when he sang, I did it my way. That was his theme song. And so many people want to say, I did it my way. C.S. Lewis says this, and it's insightful. There are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. All that are in hell, choose it. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to eternal life. When we pray, thy will be done on earth as is in heaven, we're asking that the will of God be done, and that will is that men and women will come to repentance, that men and women will receive that great love gift of salvation that's in Jesus Christ. God is not willing that any of us should perish. So, rebellion. Now, that second word, relinquish. Our will must relinquish to God's will. Remember Jesus in the garden? The cross before him? He prayed in agony, not my will, but thy will. He practiced the prayer he taught to his disciples. Do you find yourself in a garden this morning? Do you find yourself at some crossroads where you have set your own purposes, your own will, and God is saying to you, there in that garden, will you submit to me? Now, it was no passive submission with Jesus. It was active. Jesus, in preparation for the passion, does not just resign or capitulate. He goes out to meet the one who would betray him. He goes out with strength and fortitude and energy to face everything that was before him. And triumphantly, he surrendered his will to the Father's will, and he walks in the strength of the Father. See, when we pray, thy will be done, we could pray it a lot of different ways. Some people pray it this way with clenched fist, grinding teeth, thy will be done. Other people, slumped head, slumped shoulders, thy will be done. Others, almost as though they had just lost a fight, thy will be done as if they couldn't fight anymore and God's too big for them. And That's not the way we should pray, thy will be done. Because you're praying to a father who loves you. You're praying to one who wants the very best for you. You're praying to a God who's concerned about your future. You're praying to someone who has watched over you since you were in your mother's womb and who's planned out all of your days. So with great confidence and assurance, thy will be done. 
The difficulty at times is the bondage of the will, the battle of the will. Romans chapter 7 describes this so aptly. Paul the apostle talks about the inner battle and inner struggle that he had. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, that's what I do. And, and he talks about this tremendous warfare on the inside. See, unless Jesus frees me, unless Jesus liberates me, unless I, through the power of the Spirit, mortify the deeds of the flesh, I can't overcome that broken fallen will that theologians say the bondage of the will but thanks be to God he frees me there was a man in church and they were singing the Lord's prayer and suddenly everybody turned around in front of him and they stared at him in amazement and he realized what he had done he had sang when they sang the Lord's prayer my kingdom come, my will be done. With all of the gusto and joy he could, he sang it that way. How many times do we go to God in prayer and we really don't mean thy will be done? Ah, we'd like God to have a list of options for us. A, B, C. What scenario do you like? Or we'd like to... Come now, let us reason together, God. Not over our sins, but over his divine will. Jesus taught us that there must be relinquishment when we say, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What we're saying is, God, free me from the bondage of self. Free me from the bondage of the big eye, where I must be centered. Now, there's a blessing of a surrendered will. In Thessalonians, it tells us God's will for us is our sanctification. Your greatest problems in life were the result of your own self-will and self-determination and your own willfulness. If you look back on the history of your life, the story of your life, the greatest problems were problems that you brought about by saying, my will be done, my kingdom come. When we submit to God and surrender to God, we are lifted up. See, man longs for fulfillment. Now, given an opportunity, USA Today, rather, asked the question, people given an opportunity, if they could ask God any one question... What would they ask them? And in this survey, do you know what the top question was? 34% would ask God the question this. God, why am I here? 34%. God, why am I here? That is answered when we say, thy will be done. For God created us for a purpose, for a reason. And when we submit our wills to His will, when we come with the gift of our free will and surrender it to God and say, Oh, Lord, I, I want to do Your will. It's not that our will is obliterated. It's put in harmony with His will. 
suddenly, God's purpose, God's plan, God's work is done in through us. Praying is one of the most intimate parts of our Christian life. It's the single most important way we communicate with God. Over the centuries, there have been many wonderful prayers written by saints of God. And probably the most notable is the Lord's Prayer that Jesus prayed in Luke chapter 11. Pastor Ed will be teaching through this prayer in a nine-part series entitled The Lord's Prayer. In each broadcast of Voice of Faith, Pastor Ed will break down each of the components of this prayer, helping us to understand the significance of each part. We'll learn what it means to forgive others as we've been forgiven and why it's important to ask the Lord to deliver us from the snares of Satan. Now, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and more information, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith with Dr. Edward Jones. Please join us next time as Pastor Ed continues teaching through this series entitled The Lord's Prayer, right here on Voice of Faith, 